0: Hi everybody, how's it going? So, 10 lessons that I learned from Sam Ovens that made me a millionaire by the age of 25. So I found Sam when I was 19 years old. It was actually through a Facebook ad. It's VSL with Ty Lopez. Over the course of the last seven years of my entrepreneurial career, I've learned a ton from Sam. And in this video, I'm going to boil down the 10 main things that I've learned. And by applying these things in my life, in my business, my psychology, my mindset, I've been able to achieve the status of millionaire or multimillionaire by the age of 25, which is quite exciting. So if you want to be a millionaire, Watch this video and you're gonna basically understand how to do that. The first thing I learned from Sam is that entrepreneurs are not civilians, okay? There's a distinction between someone who runs a business and someone who has just a normal life. There's nothing wrong with having a normal life or being a civilian, but Sam calls people who don't have businesses civilians. And what that basically means is, When you start a company, you are a civilian and you think like a civilian. You think like a normal person with a normal paradigm. As you step into the entrepreneurial world and you achieve success or you start hanging around people who have levels of success, you'll find that nobody thinks the same way you do. And the civilian paradigm does not lend itself well to the paradigm of success in business. Because when you come into an entry level 997 course or something, you're a civilian. Whether you like it or not, you're a normal person with a relatively normal life. In order for you to develop... And become successful you have to let go of the civilian paradigm one of the primary pieces of that paradigm is scarcity and thinking that money is scarce and there's no money to go around and that the, the market is crowded and there's not enough room for you that's the sort of the most common Uh, symptom of the civilian paradigm alongside a bunch of other stuff to do with beliefs to do with mindset but the main one is scarcity so if you want to transition from civilian mind to entrepreneur mind the best place to start is with your beliefs around money and the scarcity or abundance of it so the second thing comes from the fact and i've got these written down here poor people make the same decisions every single day like it's their first time making it as you develop into an entrepreneur your ability to make decisions is your biggest weapon early entrepreneurs the most important thing you have is your work ethic and how much grinding you can essentially do as you develop into someone that has a multi-six seven-figure multi-seven-figure company that's sort of the point where i'm at now becomes less about how hard you can work and more about how hard you can think the best way to make good decisions is to remove the amount you have to make because you have to imagine that when you get up each day in your brain, you've got like, you know, cognitive calories, if you want to call them that. And throughout the day, you burn them and you burn them by making decisions. Now that can be anything from deciding what to have for breakfast, what t-shirt to wear, or maybe even whether or not you should skip a certain song you're listening to in the car. So if you want to develop Good decision-making abilities, the best place to start is to conserve your decision-making energy to the things that really matter in work. Because your brain cannot differentiate between two potential people you should hire and how to make that decision, or what products you should work on and how to make that decision. It can't differentiate between big macro needle-moving business decisions like that, or you know, what factor of sun cream you should use. So you have to make sure that you systemize your decision making wherever you can whether it's with food, whether it's what you wear, just those day-to-day things, get it standardized, get it decided, and you'll save more time in your in your brain so you can make better decisions. The third thing is tracking your metrics. So this is something that is pretty close to my heart because I've been logging most of my life in metric form for the last seven years. Everything from my health, I use an Oura ring, also a boot band, I log everything to do with my sleep, everything to do with my exercise, everything to do with my diet. It's all tracked and logged because if you don't measure something, you have no means of improving it. One thing that Sam taught me, if you want to make progress and if you want to start, you know, progressing along a trajectory towards a goal, you can usually track that progress with numbers. Now, in business, it's very easy and transparent because you're looking at how much money you're making, right? But if you're looking at your health and other things, you need to start being able to source data from sources like Aura or an app like Strava if you're running or something. Because if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. So when you want to improve something, you start by measuring a baseline where you get the mean or the average with all the variables in the concurrent system and the way things are operating. And then by having that average and the, the mean sort of baseline, essentially, then you have something to track your progress against. Because without that, you're going to get lost. OK, so track your metrics, decide a KPI, which is a key, key performance indicator, log all of your progress towards that, because you might think it's obvious, if you're running off track or going down the wrong path, but if you've got a KPI and like a key performance indicator that matters and you've got a baseline, seeing that progress, like if you if one day or one month, the metrics are out, then you can track that back to the decisions you made. Everything in business and also life is cause and effect. So if you've got a metric, like how much money you're making or how much you weigh, if you're not happy with that, it's because of something you did. The res- your responsibility, right? Your decisions, your actions. And so being able to have metrics allows you to attribute outcomes to behavior. And that allows you to change and it's an important thing to do. Number four, the answers lie in the basics. The simple stuff is where the most leverage comes from. So if you look at anything in life, whether whether it is exercise and diet or business, if you look at, let's say you want to lose weight, right? The two principles of weight loss, not that I'm not necessarily an expert on this, but it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. The two principles of weight loss are eat less, move more. If you do those two things, you will lose weight. Likewise, in business, the, the, the most underlying simple principle of business is have a good product. Because if you have a good product, then everything gets easier. And so what you want to try and do with your business is apply some first principles thinking, bring everything down to the first principles. And first principles essentially are arguments of truth that you cannot further argue against. So for example, in business, like product is the most important thing. You can't really argue against that. You could if you were thinking in a short time horizon. So you could say, well, marketing is more important than product. If you were thinking in a six month time horizon. But if you're thinking in a 60 year time horizon, you have to add value, right? And so... The basics are the most important things. You have to nail the simple stuff. Um, If you don't get that right, you're in some deep trouble. So you need to think in systems instead of components. This is number five. What this means is you have to start looking at your company as a collection of components that act together as a system. So your business is not what we would call linear, where sales operates over here, And marketing operates over here, and product operates here, and accounting operates here. It's non-linear. Everything operates in conjunction, and your whole business moves as a system. And what that means is that if you make a change in your marketing, it will likely impact your accounting, and also your brand, and also your sales, and also product. And so you have to start looking at the departments of your business. You might not have traditional departments with team members and such, but look at the different aspects of your company, everything down to your Facebook group, whatever the hell you've got, and. Ask yourself how, if I make a decision over here, how will that affect this thing here? Because it's all interlaced. And so this is why I don't really like using like individual consultants to solve specific problems. Because if you do that, they don't understand your entire business. And so if you're going to use someone to help you solve a problem, it's better to learn their knowledge and integrate that into your understanding of the system as a whole. And then once you've done that, then you can take that knowledge and you can sort of think, okay, that's going to affect this and this and this and this. And you have to consider basically every system in your company before making a decision. Number six, don't let fear hold you back. Fear is just a sign you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and growing. So if you're not afraid, then you're not growing. It's pretty much as simple as that. Fear is a painful emotion. It's as far as most people are concerned. This is once again, the civilian paradigm It's a negative emotion. It's a negative experience. You need to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay that is the biggest distinction you'll find between successful entrepreneurs and civilians is when a civilian gets into a position where they're uncomfortable or afraid or they're doing something that's outside of their comfort zone they retreat back to comfortable whereas entrepreneurs are especially successful ones like Sam are constantly looking for things that make them uncomfortable and they think that the more fear they sit in and the more pain they sit in and the longer they sit there for the more successful they will be and over the last seven years as i've built companies and progressed from dropout making three pound fifty an hour to the multi-millionaire status that we also crave i've always found that every time i've had a big breakthrough is every time i've stepped outside my comfort zone or faced a specific fear okay there's no room in business for fear if you're afraid of sales calls or if you're afraid of doing some work or maybe you're afraid of watching a 20 minute video on youtube because it's painful and you don't want to do it because it's like easier to watch like something simple you have to face that stuff the more of it you eat the the fatter you become in the business sense, if that makes sense. Number seven, the price you are confident charging other people is the price that you are comfortable spending on yourself. People come to me all the time, and one of the main questions I get from clients and people who wanna be clients is, Charlie, what should I charge for my services? And the answer to that question is whatever you feel you can charge. Because if you think you wanna charge $2,000 a month, maybe you want to charge that. But if you hop on a sales call and you have no faith in the $2,000 a month, then it's probably not going to go very well for you, right? It's not going to work. So what I found is there's a mirror. And I haven't found this. Sam found this and talked it to me. What I found is that there's a mirror between what you invest in yourself or your business and what you can get other people to invest in you. I'll give you an example of this. So our program, I'm not going to talk too much about the price of that, but our program is priced at quite a high ticket. When I was talking to Bo, my business partner, about the price of the program, the, the price of the program has moved pretty much directly parallel with programs we've invested in. So if you have never invested more than 400 pounds in yourself, you will naturally unconsciously assume that no one will ever invest 400 pounds in you. And so you see this a lot with people who, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier who wanted to start a social media business. I mean, he was willing to charge 50 pounds a month doing like social media management, like Facebook management, Instagram management and he wanted to charge 50 pounds a month. And the reason that would have been quite a few years ago is because all he would have ever thought to invest in himself was 50 pounds a month, right? In a specific service. One of the best things you can do for your confidence in business and confidence in sales is invest significant amounts of money into a good product. And this is not like a reverse psychology buy my product thing, I promise. But if, and you should be aware that the more you invest, the more you're willing to charge. And so I recently paid $30,000 for a health mastermind with a guy called Mark Dahmer. Now I am more than comfortable charging $30,000 for a mastermind should I choose to start one. But had I not, I would feel that that is like way too much. But now that I've done it, I know that other people will. So your perception of what other people will do or what other people will do or are willing to invest in is pretty concurrent and runs parallel directly with the outputs of your own behavior. So remember that. So number eight, success is not about having a plan. It's about taking imperfect action. One of my favorite quotes from Sam Evans that I learned very early on, and it stuck with me ever since, and I've told my clients this, and advice them with this principle is that starting a business is like driving a car at night so if you're if you're driving along like a road and it's nighttime, you've got your headlights on you can only really see what is directly you know a couple of meters in front of you if you're starting a business and you're brand new and you're trying to look years and years into the future it's like driving a car at night you can only see what's immediately in front of you but you're trying to look down the road to see what might be coming your way and then you're going to crash right this is what happens to people where they try and solve problems they do not yet face so they think, oh, well, I, how, like, I'm like i going to learn everything I need to know about onboarding and service delivery before I've even booked my first appointment. That's not the way to do it. Business, you, you, it's like whack-a-mole, right? you It's like a problem comes up, you whack it, you solve it, another one comes up as a result of solving that. And if you whack enough and you whack enough and you whack enough, you eventually have the problem of not having enough work to do and having too much money and wondering where to invest it, which is where I currently sit. As you progress, you want to build a plan to a degree, but not to the point where you're not working, right? So you want to have some sort of vision and some sort of long-term goal. But when you're in the day and in the week and you're trying to solve specific problems, just focus on the immediate task at hand, focus on what's directly in front of you. Failure to do that will mean you end up wrapping your car around a tree and that's not going to be good for anyone. Number nine, we're not the highest version of ourselves that we can imagine. We are the lowest version of ourselves that we will accept. This, I mean, it gets pretty deep. I've made a three-hour mindset video on this single quote alone in my program. But the point of this is very simple. We do not achieve our dreams. We achieve our standards. And so if you want your dream to become reality, you have to make it a standard. The easiest phrase to use here is is like hygiene standard. So for example, if you dream of $10,000 a month, and it's very hard for you to achieve it because you put it on a pedestal. So a dream is is by definition something that is like it's a dream, right? It's in, this, in the ether. It's not real. Yeah, f-gazzy, f-gazzy. it's a wazi, it's a woozy it's a f- fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It- It's not fucking real. But if you look at $10,000 a month as something that you have to make as a hygiene standard, that's how you achieve it. As a human, you're not motivated to accomplish goals or, or dreams necessarily. You kind of are in a sense, but you're way more motivated by your baseline hygiene standards. So for example, Like I brush my teeth twice a day. I hope you do as well for your sake. That's a standard you have. That's something you do every single day. And if you miss it, you feel dirty and you feel gross, right? You need to look at your goal and make it a standard and tell yourself that achieving anything less than that makes you feel sick. So I'm currently plateaued in my company about $500,000 a month. Working on ways to break through it, but that's now my standard. My hygiene standard for my income is five hundred thousand dollars a month. If, if I dip below that, it I would it would make me really fucking uncomfortable. Like I'd be on the edge of my seat, like terrified, like working twenty hours a day to try and fix it. To you, your maybe your hygiene standard right now is one thousand a month, and so all you have to do to level up your business is level up your standards. And this applies to everything. Like, if I conduct a sales call, I have a standard at which I will run that call. For example, if someone gives me an objection, I will spend at least 20 minutes with every single objection they give me. So, you know, if someone says, not want to think about it, I, w- I will not let that call end for 20 minutes. I will try my best to handle it for 20 minutes. That's a standard. Most people's standard is, is they say, oh, OK, no worries. So you have to sort of think really long and hard about like, where your goals are and then basically bring them down to standard so that you're achieving something that if you achieve less than that would make you feel really ill. And the last one, number 10, it doesn't matter what is true, only what you believe is true because with work that will become true. A lot of people talk about the law of attraction and I personally find that to be pretty insufferable because I don't think the manifestation thing, I think it has its place. But I think people put too much, um, they lean too heavily on the belief as opposed to the work. Work is painful, right? And in order for you to work, you have to justify the work. Our bodies and our minds don't like sitting in pain. And so if we want them to do that, we have to give them a very good reason. He who has a why can justify any how, what Nietzsche said. Like if you want your work ethic to be really good, which it has to be, you have to believe that what you want to achieve is possible, if that makes sense. And so if your goal is to make $10,000 a month, if right now you're not certain that's possible, then motivating and keeping your body and mind like working every single day towards that is really hard you have to look at your body which is the thing that types on the keyboard and makes the cold calls and your mind is the thing that you know does the work it's like having a horse and you're the jockey so up here you are this sort of meta you know conscious being essentially where you're up here and down here is your body and your mind, right? So you have this third person perspective. If you want the horse to go for a long distance, there has to be a reason, whether it's carrots or food or whatever, there has to be a specific reason in mind for that horse to operate and actually function. Because if you don't believe it's possible, then you're not even going to bother trying. And so when you look at your business, if you're not achieving something and if you're not where you want to be, there is almost always a reason. And that reason becomes your belief. So if you can't get people to buy, and if you can't convert people, it's because you believe people don't want to buy your service, or you believe people won't pay a certain price, or you believe that asking this certain certain question is wrong. You have to like get really good at analyzing your belief systems, which are simply statements of truth. And then Asking yourself, does this serve me and does this help me achieve my goal? Because what I found is reality can be pretty much anything you want it to be if it abides by the laws of nature and physics and you work hard enough to get it because you believe you can. So that's the 10 things that I learned from Sam Evans that made me a millionaire. To be honest, I could make this list 100 long, but these are some of the main things and I hope they've gone a long way to helping you. Now, if you are an agency owner or a coach or a consultant and you run a company, but you want to get clients and you're struggling to get clients, click the first link in the description. There's a VSL full transparency. It's a video of me trying to sell you something to book a call. I don't care if you click it or not, but you might find it helpful and you might find it gets you lots of business. So check it out at your will. You don't have to, like I said, hands in the air. I'm trying to sell you something. Check it out if you want to. I hope you enjoyed this video. I'm going to wrap it up here. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. If you've been sucking around for a while and you haven't subscribed yet, then you should also do that and comment anything you've learned from Sam Evans, as we all probably have. Have a good day. Cheers.